Unbound Theatre presents The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier The Cottage on the Moor Written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson Chapter 3. The Cottage The sprint down the hill and across the valley towards the cottage didn't register in the professor's mind as she careered up to the weathered front door and threw it open, knife drawn. Without stopping, instinct propelled her up the staircase in the passageway and on to the landing above. Four doorways greeted her. Three were closed, but a fourth, to the right of where she had ascended, was ajar. She took a moment to draw breath moved carefully across the landing, and then walked into the room. Astrid was laying on a single bed in the corner. A small space, it was cluttered with dusty wooden furniture and decorated with faded wallpaper which had long ago begun to peel away from the unevenly plastered walls. The elderly man she had met on the moor was stood near a tiny shuttered window, and kneeling beside the bed was a woman of roughly the same age. She was injecting a cloudy liquid into Astrid's arm from a peculiarly shaped syringe. The professor raised her dagger. Stop! Stop that now! she ordered. The old woman, her task already complete, withdrew the needle and looked at the professor with kindly concern. It's just a regulator, she said reassuringly, to slow her heart down. It's beaten something fierce. Who are you? the man demanded of the professor. She returned the manners he'd shown on the moor and ignored him. What's that thing? She pointed with the knife to a shallow, semi-spherical object placed on Astrid's chest. From within its shell, the bleeping and whirring of some mechanism could be heard. It's all right, nothing to fear, the woman answered. It's a scanner. It'll work out what she needs. With that, she placed a finger delicately on the surface of the device, and patterns of light, Readouts, the professor reasoned, swirled around it. She's going to be fine, the woman sighed with great relief. She's had some sort of seizure, I think. No damage done. She needs to sleep. She smiled at Astrid and took hold of one of her hands in both of her own. A rattling noise broke the silence, and the professor realised the man was pointing his gun at her. May I help you? she asked without a smile. You said you know her, he growled in a low voice. Said you'd met a long time ago. I did. She was barely more than a girl. Met her when she was a baby, did you? I was speaking in relative terms, the professor clarified. We've only known each other a few months at a guess. A guess, the man barked, clearly unconvinced by the vague answer. It's rather difficult to keep track. Now listen here. You tell me where you're from how you came to be here with her, and what it is you're after. Before the professor could repost, the woman at Astrid's bedside stood up. Enough, Belle, she said sternly, and forced the arm holding the weapon down to his side. She turned to the professor. Bill tells me you nearly came a cropper with those animals on the moor. You were right. Just a few bruises. Are you sure? We've another scanner we can... Really, I'm quite all right the professor replied, trying as best she could to smile. 
She composed herself and then continued. I'm afraid the last hour or so has been quite the whirlwind. My friend and I have not long arrived. I know this will strike you as a foolish question, but where are we currently? The man was thrown by the query and hesitated. The professor took a breath to clarify, but Bill cut her off, indicating Astrid in the bed. She needs to sleep. Leave her be. He ushered the others out of the room and closed the door. Once on the landing, he made for the stairs and descended. I'm away to check that pack of mongrels of Scarpard, he called back. The woman quickly descended after him. Really, Bill, you mustn't. There's too many of them. Their bickering faded from earshot, and the professor quickly re-entered the room. She saw Astrid still lying in the bed, the scanner beeping away, and smiled sadly before shutting the door. As it closed, she noted it made no sound. Opening it a fraction, she observed that in place of the latch bolt there was a dark metal panel. Pulling the door closed, she deduced it worked via magnetism. Below the handle, where the keyhole should be, there was a round glass panel. She placed a finger on it, and immediately the outline of her fingerprint was copied onto its surface in white light, before flashing red. Access denied, the professor muttered to herself. She checked the door had not locked itself in fear of a security breach and headed downstairs. She considered at the plain walls devoid of decoration. No pictures, no paintings, not even a clock or a mirror. The front door was closed and the two residents of the cottage were nowhere to be seen. There were two other doors in the hallway. She tried the one closest to her and found it unlocked, briefly allowing her eyes to flicker back in the direction of the staircase and the sleeping Astrid. The professor entered the room. She was taken aback to discover that it was a laboratory. Large enough to take up much of the ground floor of the cottage, the walls were lined with shelves of apparatus and resources. The assortment of workbenches bore all manner of curious mechanisms unlike anything she had seen before. At the end of the room, set against the wall, was an imposing metal archway framing a spiral of metal plates. Set into the right-hand side of the arch, was an inactive control panel. Somewhat ostentatious for a back door, the professor muttered to herself, and went back to examining the experiments. She found herself at a window, and looked up to see the far side of the valley. She thought she could discern the running figures of the gang she'd encountered earlier, but in the darkness nothing was certain. After returning to her examination of the room, she heard raised voices in the hallway. Setting down a heavy metal object which had drawn her curiosity, she moved quietly to the doorway and tried to listen. She could make out the voice of the woman who had tended to Astrid. Just go. I told you, now's not the time. Just go, will you? Go! The door slammed, and the professor quickly stepped out into the hallway, not wishing to be caught snooping. I'm so sorry, she said to the woman stood at the front door. I was coming to find you, but you'd quite disappeared. She indicated the laboratory. I hope you don't mind. Oh, not at all, the woman returned with a smile. That's just the shrapnel Billinois never finished with. She indicated for the professor to return inside. Was that Bill at the door? The professor asked, returning to the laboratory. Oh, no, that were one of the mob that comes scranging for food, the woman replied. I help him if I can, but never when Bill's around. He won't tolerate her. I take it you and he are in union, yes. Oh, must be sixty spans or more now. 
Truth is, we've stopped trying to mark the time. Doesn't seem right somehow. You must forgive me, said the professor. Here I am in your home, and I have not introduced myself. Professor Cronomier, at your service. She held out a hand, which the woman looked at with curiosity, before pressing her own against it awkwardly. Evelyn, call me Evie, she responded. Don't meet many calling themselves Professor, no, <laughs> she chuckled. Indeed, the professor smiled. You and Bill are scientists, then? Were, Evie explained, running her fingers over one of the workbenches. Long ago, no, but we kept a few trinkets to tinker with as a hobby. I'd call that more than a trinket, said the professor, indicating the archway. That old thing, Evie said dismissively with a wave of her hand. Our attempt at a teleport <laughs> never worked. Oh, said the professor sadly. All this time and still a pipe dream. That's a shame. She caught herself with her anachronistic ponderings and then saw Evie holding the roll of paper she'd retrieved from the time machine. She realised she must have dropped it when entering the house. Aha, she said. I'd quite forgotten. May I? Of course, said Evie, who handed over the dented scroll. The professor quickly removed the ribbon tied around the parchment and unfurled it, revealing an intricately painted map of the stars. Oh, my goodness, Evie gasped. You recognise them? asked the professor. I've wanted one of these since I was a little girl, Evie whispered in hushed tones. A map of the ancient stars. Oh, where did you get this? The ancient? The professor spluttered, thinking of how carefully she had mapped the constellations back home. Oh, they've not looked like this in a millennia, chuckled Evie. Oh, what a sight they must have been to behold. So few left, no. The professor recalled the strange patterns she had seen emerging in the sky. Evie, I appreciate this is a strange question, but I must know. What year is it? There seemed to be no confusion on Evie's face. We don't go much in for years now, my love. There have been too many to count by the old ways. Like I said, there's not much point keeping track any more. And why is that? the professor asked. Again she expected an incredulous response to such ignorance, but Evie replied quietly, Why keep track of time when it's about to run out? A chiming noise sounded from somewhere else in the house. That'll be the nutrition part. I made you something to eat. She shuffled from the room, but the professor did not follow, instead crossing to the window and looking up at the night sky and its deficiency of stars. That they had moved was no great surprise. It was a simple matter of astronomy, so many epochs from her own time. But the truth of where her machine had brought her now began to weigh upon her heart. Never had she considered when she set out to explore the rivers of time that she would find herself at the very edge of them, the tipping point of the waterfall into which everything, if Evie was right, was soon to plummet. Remaining by the window, a deep and disturbing sense of uneasiness took hold as she considered her situation. Her only friend succumbed to an illness she could not comprehend, stuck in a house of people she'd been warned not to trust under a threadbare blanket of dying stars. About to run out. The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier 
The Cottage on the Moor, an Unbound Theatre production written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson with music by Kevin McLeod.